Praise the Lord. My name is Miriam. I have been trained as a specialist family physician. And if you remember, we're going to be giving CMEs. So we are going to learn some science about the family. Praise the Lord. So we have social scientists who over the years have studied families in various uh, platforms and they have developed what we call theories. Some of the theories have been patterned to study the systematic stages that families go through. Some are developmental theories, some are structural functional theories, some are interactional theories, and then some theories look at the family as part of the system, looking at the subsystems and the suprasystems that affect the family. For this session, we want to discuss the family using Stevenson's developmental model. This model looks at the family in four stages. It looks at the family as an emerging family. These are families from the time of marriage till seven to 10 years. It also looks at families as crystallizing families. These are families that have teenage children. Then the third stage, the interacting family. Are families that have grown children. Some are married grandchildren have started arriving. And then the final stage is the actualizing family. Families that have the couple alone. Some other people call it an empty nest family. So we're going to be looking at some of the challenges that these families go through. Some of the uh, cardinal points are maintaining a common household, rearing children, finding satisfying work and leisure, sustaining appropriate health patterns, providing mutual support, and acculturation of the family members. Praise the Lord. Now, as you can see, I am not a family standing here, and I cannot talk to all these stages. So I'm going to be calling up to the stage People who have gone through these stages. I'd like to mention that it was rather challenging to find families at the various stages. When we finally found, some were unable to come because they have some other engagements. And some that are here are just amazing people. And they are here to share with us how they have succeeded through the stages, knowing the challenges. My bishop says it is scriptural for you to be challenged, but it is not scriptural for you not to overcome the challenge. So challenges come, but we overcome them and we maintain family, and the name of the Lord continues to be praised in Jesus' name. I'd like to call up. Starting from the younger families, Dr. and Dr. Mrs. Aibomian. Please join us here. 
doctor and doctor Mrs. Udo. Okay, Dr. Udo is coming in from you, so we'll keep their seats and wait for them to arrive. May I please call the events? Dr. Ipeme is a community physician, and his dear wife is an honorable justice elder. Praise the Lord. So you understand that I didn't want to get the titles all mixed up. We are so blessed to have you. Thank you. I'd also like to call up the Asindis, Professor and Mrs. Asindi.
begin to lay a foundation. Praise the Lord. I'll just tell you. I'm deciding to pick my better half here. I we met in church. She was a choir leader in church and I was a brother in the church. I don't have such a good voice, but I think her voice attracted me to the choir. And um, they were very careful never to give me mic all through my stay in the choir because I'm sure that would have ended the service for that day. Uh, but she was the choir director and we kept on from the church, prayed to God, talked to her, then we decided to turn to God in prayers, prayed about it. I was ahead of her in medical school then. Thereafter, I finished, I graduated, and we discovered that we were, God's purpose for us was for us to be together and get married. And then we took it to the next level. Praise the Lord. Well, since the two are one, I believe the story is the same. Please, sir. I know it's been a few decades. But can you please tell us how you decided? Let's see if old school and new school are the same in the kingdom. How did you decide who you married? Good morning, Paul. Um, you are very right. It happened uh, many decades ago. Uh, I believe when the time was fully come that I should take a part. I believe one of the things that would stay in us, as you know, Women are usually uh, more ready to get married. But for men, it's usually like your own age mates are getting married. And that would be the first urge for you to also get married. I was not a Christian when I got married. So I cannot say God said to me that is your wife. But I had um, some attributes that, and qualities I found in my dear wife which made me decide that this is the woman I'm going to get married to. She had a homely quality. She is very beautiful. 
very slim. I like wives that I can carry, as you can see. I am not a, a very hefty person. She is very intelligent. And um, the profession, when I learned her profession, was attracted to that. She, when I met her, arrived and the man who was supposed to give me up my father died many years ago was not in the hall was not in the church and it was almost time for the bride to be handed over and I turned and I looked behind me and the only face I saw was Prophet Cindy and I said to myself if my uncle does not come Prophet Cindy will give me out <laughs> so when we were trying to constitute this panel I said Prof was true Praise the Lord. Prof is a father to many fathers. If you're Calabar trained, you will understand. Prof, Prof's wife is so busy this morning. I pray. You know there are certain prayers God doesn't answer. She's busy working in God's vineyard. But Prof assured me that he will speak both his and her side of the story. Praise the Lord. I know it's been decades, so many decades. Can you please tell us how you decided who you married? Yes, so many decades. <laughs> Look at my face. You know? I've been in this business for a very long. 
remember my first week in the University of Bali. I just arrived and I was visiting. Some of you have gone, gone to the Bali, Hall. And after three days, somebody I knew, one of the lecturers, says, said, I'm going to Lagos. Can you accompany me? I had been in the Federal School of Science and then from there I came over to the University of So I followed this man. He said he's going to his friend's house. Okay? No, I don't about that. Just for just for him. And then he got to his friend's house. And they knocked and someone, someone opened the door. That I saw her. That's it. <laughs> you may call it love at first sight. And that was it. So uh, when I went back, I don't know, somebody gave me her number. I started phoning and phoning and phoning. Four of us were calling each other. I was in, at that time, medicine was five years. So I was there five years. And I finished, and I stayed for one year, and we got married. So uh, we've been together for many, many years. So as you see me so, I have Five girls. No boy. And when you have only girls, you can imagine the number of grandchildren. <laughs> Nine grandchildren. Is any of you here with grandchildren? So I have nine grandchildren. So we've been getting on very much. I wonderful to be married and to be happy with their marriage. I've never had a regret, even one day, that I have been in this business. So I want to encourage all of you. The married some of you are not even married. Oh, especially those who were my students. And to keep to their marriage, there is no end to it until death do us back. That's what I want to say for the meantime. Amen. Amen. So you see, um, the prophet Ezekiel said that as the man he was speaking with spoke to him, the spirit entered into him. As they speak to us, like prophet said, not one day of regret. Let's not just listen. There is a spirit inside those words. Let it enter into us in the name of Jesus. And that will set us on our feet and our marriages will succeed. Thank you, prophet. So love at first sight didn't start a few years ago. So for those of you who are still unmarried, love at first sight still happens. I'd like to tell you a story about in a park where buses were being built to go to Calabar some years back. One girl escorted by her mother to board the bus that was going to bring her to school. She was schooling in Calabar. So there were many buses. There was a 
504, there was a wagon, there were like two buses, and everybody was saying, enter this bus, enter this bus. And I was asking the Holy Spirit, which bus is safer, which bus is better? And my mom was like, that one, the tires look good. That one, the seats look comfortable. So we went to one particular bus, and one guy said, enter this bus, enter this bus. Many years later, I found out that the moment that guy set eyes on me, he's like, this is wife material. Praise the Lord. So that guy, I want to call up to stage, Chairman Ogugo. Love at first sight in a bus. But because he preached on that bus, he could not chide me. Praise the Lord. And if you know medical students, we don't walk slow. The moment the bus got to Etimede Park, I got off, entered the bike, and zoomed off. And he was like, hey, you don't fall your own hand, though. Fortunately for him, there was another medical student on the bus. And you know, when medical students meet, there's always something to discuss about the red building. So we were talking about the red building, and the guy didn't take off as fast as I did. So many years later, no, months later, about a year or so later, he saw the guy in Hall 6 and said to him, come. That day we traveled from Aba, and the guy is like, which day? He said, you were talking with one medical student. He's like, which medical student? And he had to rewind the guy's memory to get to that day. And the guy now remembered, ah, how can you be looking for the sister that is in your particular church? So you've been worshiping with this same sister in the same church and you've not located her. Praise the Lord. So the guy's mission to go into church changed. <laughs> I'd like to call my husband. Please come up stage. This version of the story is true for two of us, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So one of the main challenges is maintaining a common household. And this is an orthopedic surgeon who did his training in UCTH. His wife is a resident in psychiatry who works for the, who works, who is training at the Federal Neuropsychiatric Hospital. There have been couples, doctor and doctor missus. There are couples, doctor and barrister, doctor and. So the challenges are different. So we're going to talk about how you have managed to maintain a common household. Sometimes you have to go for posting outside for months, sometimes years. Praise the Lord. Okay, I would like to say being married is not an easy task. It's a different ministry on its own, a very, very unique ministry. So my husband is not just an orthopedic surgeon. He's very active in the Christian body and he's also a politician. So I have to cope 
with him in this capacity. Okay, but what has kept us over the years is the fact that we understand ourselves. We sit down, we talk, we plan. If I have to go for my posting, and he has to go for his own posting, we plan. So, a way which is more important, okay, you go, your posting comes up twice a year, so you can go first, then I'll go later on in the year. Because someone has to be around to take care of the kids. Someone needs to be around to take care of the family. So, in all, or in summary, I'll say, we need to discuss, we plan, and we understand ourselves. Two are one, they always agree. Praise the Lord. Please, sir, you belong to a profession that is very tasking. Your wife also belongs to a profession that is very unique. And she has risen to a role that is most admired. Could you please tell us how you have managed to maintain a common household over the years? Thank you. And um, I think since my wife bore much of the brunt. I think I will allow her to speak, if that's agreeable. Praise the Lord. We've been married for 33 years now. We got married in 1986. And um, we have four children, two boys, two, let me not say boys, two males, two females, because they're grown-ups now. The first one is married. Our first daughter is a doctor like most of you here. She's married and she has two children. So we have two grandchildren. How have we coped over the years? I want to break our marriage into two sectors. He told you when he was married, he was not a born-again Christian. Somewhere along the line in 1993, he gave his life to Christ. And I want to say the difference has been very, very clear. Before he gave his life, he said why he married me. Let me just go into why I accepted marrying him. Um, the two other couples here have talked about how they met. I was a young lawyer in the Ministry of Justice, a state council. I think I was about 26 years old then. And um, his brother, though he's late now, who was my colleague, he was also a lawyer who worked in the same ministry. He came around and I was teasing him. I said, what brings you to these streets? He said, oh, he came to look for somebody opposite and the person wasn't in. And um, I was alone at home. He said, oh, he wants to meet his brothers at the tennis courts. 
in Pamo, would you like to come along? I said, no, I want to rest. And then when he was about going, I said, but I'm alone in this home. I said, okay, I'll come along. And when we went, my husband now, who is his brother, was playing tennis. At the end of the tennis play, he now took over the brother's car. He was now driving, and he says he wants to drop me. I said, no, you're not the person who brought me. And he said, don't worry, I'm a better driver than he is. <laughs> but eventually he dropped me at home. And that's how friendship and courtship started and culminated in marriage. At the beginning, we were married, the first child came. But my first child, as I celebrated her first birthday, I was already six months pregnant. So before you know it, two children. And um, it, was, it, it, it was very taxing. My children came in quick succession. And then you had to juggle your work with the homework. But I want to say God has blessed me with a very understanding man. Even when he wasn't yet born again, he was very cooperative and encouraged me so much in my career. I remember when I had my third baby. She was barely three months. She was not barely three months. I was still on maternity leave. I went to the office and I said, oh, You've been picked to go to a conference, it was abroad. So I came back and I said, see these people, they know I won't be able to go. They've put my name so that next time they'll say, oh, you were offered a position and you dropped it. And he said to me, why won't you go? I said, but <laughs> with the baby, he said, we can arrange and take care of that. And he brought the mother. Remember when my mother-in-law came in, the first thing she said was, Where do you want to leave this child to go to? And my husband said, Mama, I asked you to come and help take care of the baby, not to interrogate my wife. But I went and came back. I'm just giving this example to show how he can really, really bend backwards to accommodate and encourage me. That I am where I am today is a lot of encouragement from him. How have we managed? A woman must learn to juggle the different rules in her life. You're not going to say because I'm a professional, the home front must suffer. You can get responsible helps and then you must play the role of supervising very efficiently. I remember I used to finish in court and dash home just to make it prompt checks to say that things are getting well in the house. Up till now, I cook my meals. My secretary came in to drop something one day and I was coming out from the kitchen. I said, oh my Lord, I'm so happy to see you in the kitchen. I said, what do you mean by that? I'm still a woman, I run my home. He loves a bamboo wall. 
and nobody cooks him the way he wants except me. So, the year I want to cook it when I send my help, buy the things, prepare by four o'clock, I'll be back. He still, he says, nobody does according to him, cooks the love rice like his wife. And that makes me, whenever I want to cook jollof rice, I cook it personally. So you must find a way to juggle. You're not going to say, because of this, I do not enter the kitchen. I enter the kitchen, I cook my meals the way I want to. And by God's grace, I've been able to train my children. My daughter is handling her home well by God's grace. Even my first son says no woman can love him because he can cook whatever he wants. <laughs> and I will coming to another angle as women. Let us train our children, both boys and girls, the same way. We must leave this culture of you are a man, so sit in the parlor and the women do all things. Let them also help in the kitchen. It will help them. Nobody can call their bluff or keep them hungry because they know what to do. I'll stop there in the moments. So much wealth of wisdom. We're stepping it up now that it has come to you. Um, there's something they did. They told us how long they've been married. And um, they also told us how many children are married. You've told us how many grandchildren. Could you please fill in the other blanks? Some of us are thirsty to know. Well, I've been married for 40 years. Oh. <laughs> you know when I've been born. Oh. <laughs> and I married, I married early after the DBS. As I said, I have, <coughs> I have five girls, and they all have children. They are all masters, uh, degree holders. One of them is a doctor, medical doctor in Canada. Some of you here have known her. My daughter Fiona now in Britain. Now, first two years, or first one year for some of you, some of us, can be very stormy in marriage. Perhaps you know, all of you know, all of us, it's just natural that you come from different backgrounds. If you watch women or men, when you are chasing them or courting them, they will never show you their true color. <laughs> It is only after they raise your hand uh, when, when, when what God has done together, let no man put a thunder. Uh, I declare you husband and wife. You will see who you are. <laughs> My wife is very good, but she's very short tempered. But her anger does not last. My own could last a bit longer. So sometimes we do not greet each other. First one or two years. In fact, there was a time I said, okay, I will, I will handle, I will deal with this woman. 
because she's this or that. So I decided I would not eat. Further, it would pain her. <laughs> that was my angel. It would to, to pain her. So when I was in Kaaba, when they would bring the food, I would say I want it. So I went hungry first day. <laughs> Second day. Sometimes you will ask the child, oh, go and call your daddy. I would say no. So I was very proud. <laughs> On the third day, uh, I was asking God, let, God, let one of the children come and call. <laughs> and immediately I was called by the child. I rushed. I said, why is this nonsense? I'm the one buying the food, and I'm refusing my food. What nonsense is this? I, I used to be an ACU member. I was a few, well, I'm now a, a, a pastor in my church. But I've always been in doing things of the church. So I said, if I say I'm a why should I be like that? So immediately I ate that food and finished. I said, I will ne it will never happen again. And I will never behave like that again. So I changed my mind. And we have been living very well. In fact, there was a day my wife tapped, tapped me at the back. I said, Do you know that for a whole year we have not quarreled? I clapped for myself. And it's been like that, day in, day out. Day in, day out. Yes, we have five children. My wife is very caring. She knows how to take care of them. She has been like that. But I knew, when I knew her, I knew that she was a lot children. So that, that was one of my inner attractions. And therefore, we get on very well. My wife is a very good cook. I don't know where she learned it. <laughs> so I've been eating very good food. That's why I've lived well. Yeah. Uh, so things have been. She knows how to take care of the house. I can tell you. So it went, I was in Saudi Arabia for nine years, and she was in charge of the house. No problem at all. I was sending the money though, <laughs> and the money was quite good. So everything has been going very, very well. So the young ones who are coming up, please, note that no marriage is without storm at the beginning. But see, if the preacher here, I came to meet somebody preaching very powerful, or he was admonishing all of us, and he said, you are not ordinary people. You are not what the, that's that is the thing that caught my attention and my feelings. You are not ordinary. You are, some of you here, all of us here are doctors. We're accomplished people. Uh, uh, we have uh, justice here, and some other very senior people. I know the banker there, and very senior people here. So you are not ordinary people at all. I, 
and therefore, and you are Christians, otherwise you, I believe you wouldn't be here. Or if you are Christian, a Christian coming in for the first time, you are hearing the thing from the horse's mouth. We are spiritually endowed to speak to you. And therefore, when you hear the example you are going to give on this other end, you should go and practice it because you want to be happy. You want, I think we are, let me see, the, uh, the complete man, all round excellence. Hopefully, if you are doctor, justice, banker, whatever you may be, highly educated yourself, and you are not happy in your house, you are not complete, you are not excellent. You may only be good, not better, not best. So you must try to keep your house in order, pay for your wife, respect your wife, and everything will work out well. I have more to say, but I will stop there for now. Thank you, Thank you Actually, that's why we asked you to come. It's hard to find a family with an emptiness where wife are alive and well and have a good Christian testimony. When we searched, it was hard to find, but it was not hard to find your shining light. Thank you, sir. Okay, so, I'm expecting questions. LOC, nobody's walking around to bring the questions. Everybody's done eating. Nobody has questions. Okay, so, um, there's something, acculturation of family members. I am Igbo, and I married Igbo. Unfortunately, I have a house upbringing. So marrying my husband, there was a bit of culture shock. I had to learn how to cook egusi and achara. In my place, what we like to eat is different. So acculturation, even the language. Now when I speak to my mom, I don't speak to her in her language that she taught me. I now speak to her in the language that my mother-in-law speaks. Praise the Lord. It's the same evil but a different dialect. We go through that culture shock. Families have culture. Some families pray in the morning, some pray at night, some pray morning and night. How have you coped with in-law and the culture shock? That's acculturation. How did you acculturize your wife to your family culture? And how did you cope with in-laws? Praise the Lord. Um, when Dr. Mira called me to join this panel, I was wondering, when you sit in the midst of people where the number of years you've been married is just like a tight to their, to their marriage, you, you are careful what you say. We've been married by God's grace for eight years now. And we've been blessed with two kids so far, a girl and a boy. Um, acculturation of family members. We, we are both from Edo State, both from Isham, from Epoma, she's from Ewo. But interestingly enough, I grew up in Delta State. So we used to eating starch with banga and everything. And then my dad insisted that we learn how to speak my dialect. So, I remember there was an uncle that was staying with us then, his name was Henry. When I went for my nursery interview and they showed me the picture of Ali, so I pointed and I said, Uncle Henry, 
and they all started laughing. I was told the story when I grew up. I knew how to speak English only when I got to school. At home, I spoke my dialect all through till I got to school. That was my dad's principle. Now, when I met my wife, because that she grew up in Ekoman, she didn't know how to speak my language at all. So, we started, a year into our wedding, I remember once we called the dad, her dad, and she was speaking to her own dad now in her dialect. And the dad told her to give me the phone. So I took the phone, and I said, how did you do it? And in one year, she cannot speak Isha very well. And that's how we communicate at home. She learned the language when she came to my house, not when she grew up. I think I should be giving credit for that. <laughs> she learned how to prepare the meals. But there's something I, I, want, I really had to do. We, I had to bring her into my family, and I had to get into her family. But I also making sure that we didn't get external forces, even from my own family. Maybe I should share this experience. You know, when you get married, a month after you get married, mother-in-laws, the two I know, they don't expect the lady should even see her period again. They expect that she should be pregnant. So after the first, second month of our wedding, I visited home once and my mom asked me, how is your wife? How is your wife? I said, she's fine. Say, she fine, she fine. <laughs> I said, she's fine. Say everything, everything is okay, everything is fine. So, when she asked three times, I summoned the meeting. My dad was seated, my mom. So everybody was wondering why I summoned the meeting. So I said, I don't know what she's asking, but we don't want to be put under pressure. I said, in two months' time, she's going to visit home for Christmas. If this is how you are going to ask her questions, then we'll remain in Calabar and not come home. My mom said, I didn't say anything wrong. I was just asking if she was fine. <laughs> so that made everything. To my dad said, okay, he too didn't say anything. This didn't mean anything. And then we got blessed at God's own time. That prevented all external forces. There was no pressure on her. I had to take that off. Finally, we also had to make sure we do something. She has dependence. She's the first girl in her family. I am the first boy, so we have younger ones. If we are to give things to her younger ones, I give it to them. If we are to give things to my younger ones, she gives the gift. So there's nothing like, um, it's just what your husband was even doing himself. Instead, they praise me, they say, oh, you see, anytime your husband is around, we are happy. And that has helped us to get knitted into both families. That's my own small eight-year experience. We'll hear from the third year and fourth year experience. Um, even though when you get married, you would take the your wife away and she now belongs to the husband's family. You also, you the man, will also have to be acculturated into your wife's family. In fact, uh, recently 
our daughter had to visit us for the celebration of my 70th birthday. And um, I had my wife uh, argue with her daughter. You are coming for just two, three days. Won't you stay here in our house? And she said, no. My mother-in-law knows I'm in town. I cannot stay with you again. So, um, although this is the situation, the husband also must adapt. Fortunately for me, my wife was born here in Karaba, grew up here, attended her primary school here, briefly her secondary school in Akwaikoma, Yudla. But she speaks Efik impeccably. In fact, she speaks the brand of Elion Efik. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, I was, I am from Cross River State, but I was born in Ikorabasi, attended a primary school where Professor Cindy comes from. <laughs> I speak a case friendly. So it has not been difficult in that wise. But having, okay, um, when I went to pay, do the traditional marriage, her father was the top permanent secretary here, her uncle, all of them well educated and very familiar. In fact, uh, her father usually tells me that his first post as a teacher was in my village in Enyong. <laughs> so there was a lot of bonding and so forth. But in spite of all of that, there will be people in the family that might uh, rob you the wrong way. But how do you manage it? The word is, you must manage it. For the sake of your wife, for the sake of good relationship. Um, about the food, my wife has said it all. She grew up here, she speaks her mother. In fact, is like an ethnic woman. When I first met her, I thought, there were ethics, but then Biaya Uran is always ethic, more or less, even though it is in a quiet state. So we have not had much difficulty. Uh, the children will speak ethic, and then will speak Ibibio, and I will raise and admonish three fingers. I said, no, that is not ethic. But um, God has helped us. and. Um, we have not had much difficulty, but that definitely is an area that can be quite stressful. Thank you very much. Okay, please, a word from my wife. Um, I want to say when it comes to cultural adaptation, I want to bring us back to the Bible. Remember the story of Ruth and Naomi. When Naomi had to go back after her husband had died, she had two daughters-in-laws, 
her children had died, the first daughter-in-law, she persuaded them to go back. The first one went back, but Ruth said something to her. He said, your God will be my God, your people my people, and that is what I call commitment in marriage. It, should, it comes from both sides, but it should come more from the wife. Because by our culture, you are the one leaving your home to your husband's soon. So you should go with that mentality, that conviction, that commitment that this man I'm marrying, his people are going to be my people, his ways, <clears throat> provided it's not contrary to the Bible, are going to be my ways, his culture, my culture, everything about him you are going to adapt. When you go into marriage with that commitment, you will not have a lot of problems. I happen to be a marriage counselor in my church, and once we were counseling an intending couple, the young lady kept saying, in my place, you don't do this. In my place, you don't. I told her, you don't carry that kind of language into marriage. You are going to learn and adopt because even two children from the same womb cannot be the same. So you enter marriage with that mind of commitment. I have accepted this man. I have accepted his people. And if you've accepted his people, his mother becomes a mother. I want to say the notion <clears throat> these days about young girls feeling that mother-in-laws do not like them, are enemies. Please, young girls that are not yet married, remove that kind of notion from your mind. When you're marrying your husband, you tell yourself, I'm gaining another mother. I just told my husband this morning, my first son brought a young lady he wants to marry. During prayers, I said to him, and God will answer my prayers because he knows I'm speaking from my heart. I said, me and my daughter-in-law, we are going to be a model. People will see and know how mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws relate. I am going to take her as my daughter. Show her love the way I show my daughters. And God will also help her to take me as her mother. That is commitment in marriage. That's what it is intended to be. You don't enter marriage and you begin to picture that your mother-in-law Sorry, I have cold. <coughs> your mother-in-law is going to be an enemy. Some even pray that the mothers, their husbands should not have mothers. If you make that kind of prayer, one day you are going to be a mother-in-law. But I think with Christianity and learning the word of God, that kind of situation will soon change. Because I'm speaking from my heart. My daughter-in-law is going to be my daughter and my friend. And because it is God's will, it's going to come to pass. So how do you handle problematic in-laws? Today when we were praying, I said to my husband, I never had any problem from your mother. She was so nice, very warm and loving before she died. But the truth is that there are some in-laws who see you because you have come in as a wife. They see you as, you know, a threat. It may be sisters-in-laws, it may be cousins. How do you handle such people? They may come to your house to stay for two weeks, one month. 
For the young wives, I tell them, you don't drive them away. Because marriage doesn't mean you severe your husband's people. No. You are still the wife in your house. And that is where the man comes in. You must take charge as a man. And it's your wife that decides what meals to cook. It shouldn't be your sister that comes and takes over. And for the young ladies, I said, never, never challenge your mother-in-law or your sister-in-law. Some young ladies will challenge their mothers-in-laws and you hear them telling their friends, ah, I gave it to her today. Even that is not pleasing to God. If there's any problem, you tell yourself, this person is visiting. Is it two weeks, one month? Just tell yourself, after all, after one month, she will go. When you tell yourself that, you'll be able to bear whatever you see. But if there's a problem, it's your husband you should tell. And let your husband be the one to talk to the mother or the sister or the relative. Don't ever challenge, especially a senior, a relative that is senior to you. Because it will anger her. When the family hears, it will anger the family. And you will now create a gap between you and your in-laws. Always go through your husband and remember that there is nothing prayer cannot do. Above all, even if you have a problematic mother-in-law, you can win that woman through love. I give an example. Your mother-in-law comes and you have cooked very nicely. Maybe you cooked ikon, uh, and she comes in and says, oh, is this what you cook? My son doesn't like this, he likes saffron. Let me cook what he likes. Instead of you quarreling and saying, this is my kitchen, <clears throat> you must leave today. You will tell her, okay, mama, let me see how you cook it and let me learn. No matter how hard she is, just by that statement and watching, you've already gained a part of her. So with friendship, humility, you can even change the worst of mother-in-laws to a good mother-in-law. Let me stop. Thank you. By our time, we've exhausted our one hour. Praise the Lord. However, questions have just rolled in. Prof, um, would you want to speak to the last topic, acculturation of family? Yeah. Um, I just want to say that we are all highly educated people. A human being is a human being. All of us have the same anatomy and physiology, whether you are white or black, Igbo, Yoruba, Hauta, Fulani, whatever. A human being is a human being. It is a matter of love. And you are loving someone you want to stay with all the rest of their life. And that is what you need. But in our culture, in Nigeria, well, let me, okay, let me restrict it to my people. It is said that when you are marrying a husband or a wife, you are marrying a family. I don't know whether it applies to you or that. Obviously, you are not just marrying that person. And there are situations where as soon as you get married, your in-laws will move into your house. That can be a big problem. But it may not be. Because 
people at our own level were able to take care, but you may not always be able to do it. As the justice has said, obviously, if you want to ruin your marriage, you will start quarreling with your mother-in-law. Start quarreling with your father-in-law. Especially the females on either side. They can be very caustic and destructive to your marriage if you do not show love. So you never, ever want to challenge. As Christians, we're not supposed to abuse the curse and to try to annoy anybody. If you look at what the Bible says, pray for your enemy. If your enemy is uh, hungry, feed him. He's thirsty, give him water to drink. If you go, if we go by that principle, we can be very, very tolerant. So, giving, uh, being very soft with your words, being generous to an in-law can make your, your marriage. But trying to do the opposite, trying to challenge, can be a real big problem. Now, a tip. I want to give a tip. The first speaker had told us that if you want to give something to uh, someone in the family, he will give to the opposite side, his wife's side, and the wife will give to his own side. That is beautiful. I didn't even know about that. <laughs> But what, what I practice is that if I'm giving to my in-laws, I will ask my wife, which when you go, tell her this is from us, not from me, not from me. No, don't say I want that, I'm telling my wife, this is from us. Otherwise, the woman will go and give, and your in-law will say, ah, your wife is the only one giving me my <laughs> It happens a lot. Uh, but men will really do that. Men will stick out and give. We are saying that. Mention the father. Two of us. Two of us have given. So I, I, I will better, rather adapt his own. Where you, you exchange it like that so that nobody knows. They will say, ah, this woman is very kind. What are the things for you? <laughs> So it makes it smoothens up their marriage, obviously. If you learn to be generous and soft and kind and polite to your in-laws. If you do the opposite, you may not stay very long. One of the we have not looked at it in the church. A common cause of divorce is by the in-laws, caused by the in-laws. Especially the, the, the mother-in-law and the sister-in-law can ruin your marriage. So you have to be very careful. You have to know how to play along with opportunity. If you cannot, because somebody may appear just now, somebody asked me for school fees, and he said 250,000. Say, where do I get such money? <laughs> the money is too much. You give what? Ask the person to be satisfied. You don't have, you don't just have the money. And say it politely. You know, say, how do you expect me to get that kind of money? Just say it politely. It is not possible for you to do that. You will do it next time. Something like that. Play around with words. 
and you can come out very well. These are our challenges and our issues. Thank you very much. Thank you. Sir. So my husband and I have been married for 11 years, and um, we have four daughters, almost reaching cross standard. Praise the Lord. Um, I'd like him to help me read that psalm and to speak to, um, I'm reporting myself now. Praise the Lord. I'm about to hand the microphone to the person who knows me in and out. Praise the Lord. Okay, he says you read Psalm 45, verse 10. He says, Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thy ear. Forget also thy own people and thy father's house. Praise the Lord. I want to, all the, all, all the discussants have said a lot, but I just want to add to it. And uh, what I want to add, like my wife said, she grew up in the north. And I am from Abia. Two of us are Igbo. This is what the northern part of the country. So there is not there is nothing, no 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 mountain that cannot be surmounted. The problem we have is pride. So once we are committed and we are dedicated and we are teachable, everything. Will, every mountain will turn to signs and wonders. So how did it happen in my marriage? My wife didn't know how to cook some local dishes. So, and like the judge, the judge said, he said, teach both male and female. My mother did that to all of us. So all of us in the house, we are six in number, three boys, three girls, all of us can cook. And we do everything in the house. So, thank God my wife was teachable. I had to teach her how to cook those soup. I had to cook her how to cook even the type of soup I like, stew I like. So you can imagine. So, don't just allow your wife and say she doesn't know how to do this or your husband doesn't know how to do this. If you know how to do it, teach the person what you want. And the person will serve it to you life and direct, and you'll be happy you are home. So exactly what happened, after a while, my wife now became what? A continental cook. Now she cooks it the way I want it, not the way people outside want it. And that is the same thing the judge said about the things that brought life spread. Praise the Lord. So we should be teachable, and remove pride from us. And what will happen? We will teach, we will be taught by the opposite sex and we will be supporting. I want to tell us something about uh, what we, in our morning devotion, because we have our morning devotion every day. We use the OGM. I adopted the OGM as our morning devotional book. And what was the caption yesterday was, he cried. Finish me. The man said, the man was married for 15 years, he's 55 years, and the wife became so rich through business of export that the, man, the woman was so submissive in line with Ephesians 5, and the man 
the, the woman has nine cars. The latest was the lowest of it is 2015 Prado Jeep. And he gave the worst man five of the cars. The man, and he looks, up, he, he looks onto the man for opinions about everything. Everything, including finances. So the man now follows the woman around. They go to different world, from one country to the other, and they are making so much business. The man now is now more or less like the personal driver to the wife. And one day, he took the friends out, and the friends were yapping him. My friend, shine your eye. Don't you see that your wife has taken you? You are destiny away. And he's now having the whole money. You are struggling. And the man said, hmm. My friends, I am 55 years. And I married at 40 years. My destiny, I could not find it this 40 years. 40 years. I was struggling. I couldn't even have shoe. People were laughing at me. I became a laughing stock. But this woman, I married her for just 15 years. And now, I'm driving the best cars. I have five cars to myself. Out of nine, my wife bought. And everything is moving on fine. I moved to, I've traveled to some countries where some of you have not traveled to. And you were telling me that she's using my destiny. Well, when I go home, I'm going to tell her if there is any any other any any destiny that she has not finished, that she should finish it. That she should do what? Finish it. So the friends left so dejected and walked away. What am I saying? In your marriage, people will want to advise you, people will want to tell you things that are not good. Because through envy, because of envy and all the rest. Please, when, there are, when the, 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 the support is balanced, please don't listen to anybody. If the woman was not listening to the woman, not carrying the husband along, not listening to, not taking her opinion, not showing that the man is the head, look at, she bought ten cars, nine cars, and gave the man five, you see, not so. It's showing that she recognized that the man is the, is the head and she's submissive. So with that, the man said, finish my destiny. So even if it's me, me, I will tell her to do what? Finish it. Praise the Lord. We'll speak to some of the questions now. I'm going to give this to Prof because you and your family have prayed for four decades. How do they make family meditation that's morning devotion, more interesting and engaging for their children at different stages. Your, your children have passed through different stages. So how did you keep your family altar across those generations? Well, um, my wife is very active. And I, well, then I wake up before her because I have to get to work. <coughs> Some of you here know that I must arrive before eight. And my wife, uh, even though I woke up early, she's the one driving us to come for prayers. So we have been doing that over the years. And uh, I'm happy my children have taken that uh, habit into the marine life. So I hear my daughter say, ah, when I got at 12, oh, we were praying. We were praying. This one will say, we were praying. 
So that culture has been set. It was driven by my wife, not me. And uh, I'm very happy with myself. For now, for now, it's only me and my wife in the house. I started as, when she was introducing the place, she said, how do you start? You start as one, then two, then with five children, seven. Uh, so if you add my nine grandchildren, how many? Seven plus nine, 16. But they are, they are distributed all over the world. And I think that they should still be maintaining that prayer, prayer life because they are going from the roots. And I believe all of us here who are Christians are doing that for our children to grow, grow with a prayer life into their own families. I believe my grandchildren, sorry, having learned from their parents will also sustain that culture of prayer. What do you want me to add? Okay. about um, family devotion and children. Those of you with young children, you know, children like form. You must make family devotion interesting for them. In our home, we look up to the evening devotion. We pray in the morning, but evening devotion is when we really spend time, because in the morning, like Prof said, we are rushing to work. Like I said, my children are big now. They've all graduated. The first one is married. But when there were kids, I tried to also bring them in so that they develop this culture of looking forward to devotion. So sometimes I will tell them, you are going to lead devotion this evening. I'm talking about seven, eight, nine years old. So you select a Bible passage, you will talk on it. But that must be after the parents have been leading for some time, so they see how you do it. And they used to look forward to it. I even had um, a help in those days. And I said to her, you two, I gave her a particular date. And from morning, she was with her Bible, calling Joy to come and help her to prepare. And that night she spoke. So when you do that, it becomes fun. They look forward to, you can even give a topic, you will speak on this. How children should respect their parents, what happens if they don't respect. And you see from morning, they are busy preparing, allow them to prepare, talk in their own way. But you've embarked that culture of looking forward to prayers. I visited my first daughter and I just laughed within me because I saw her replaying what she was learning in her own house. And she says to the first son, Junior, today you will pray. It's all like, say, mommy, how will I say, whatever way you like, you will pray. And then at night they called him I said, and he said, oh, God, thank you for taking us to school, bringing us back, amen. And that was it. And then we did the normal prayer, but you have introduced, and they look forward to it. Before you know it, it becomes a habit. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, thank you, ma'am. Um, the next question, love at first sight. Will there be any need to pray for God's will when a person gets attracted to the opposite sex? Did I tell you that my husband proposed to me without knowing my surname? 
That's how urgent it was in his spirit, praise God. So I think we had only seen ourselves like five times in church. The first time he gave me his complimentary card, asked for my number, I said, don't worry, I'll call you. Of course, I didn't plan to call him. Then um, six months passed. Christmas Eve, medical students, we hardly go home. So I was just reading the dictionary. I don't know how many of you read the dictionary. That's to tell you how bored I was. So his complimentary card fell out of the dictionary. I'm like, oh, okay, let me just wish this guy Merry Christmas. So I said, Merry Christmas, hope everyone is fine in the family. He just opened my file from that day. First service in the year, he waited for me, the location where I usually sit in church. I said, can I give you a ride to the hostel? Two more times, I want to marry you. Praise the Lord. I'm like, okay. You don't even know my son. He says it's not important. I want to change it. <laughs> so, sir, you will be the one to answer this question. Is there any need to pray once you feel attracted to someone? Praise the Lord. She has told you everything. <laughs> but the angle she didn't tell you. When the brother told me that she's in the same church, I know Winas Chapel is so big. I started screaming, looking at every Sunday when I come, I will sit in this angle. I will look, look, I won't see her. I'll look the other way. Until June 15, she just came to the altar and gave testimony. Praise the Lord. God has added one year to my life. I said, see her. <laughs> So I watched after the testimony where she sat, I just cornered her. Immediately after that service, I rushed to her. <laughs> that was the second missionary journey after the bus. But I, the truth is that when we met in the bus, immediately she was coming in. I had administration. This is a wife material. I had administration. This is a wife material. I've not even had any discussion with her. I've not had any, but just had that administration. This is a wife material. So when she sat, she, to confirm what I was saying, she was reading whether Holy, Wake Up Holy Spirit or Holy Spirit something. One book she was carrying in her hand. I said, hey, truly, this is a wife material. So, and uh, I had to pray in the bus and uh, we proceeded and even preached but like he said i couldn't talk again i said if a brother has prayed for the journey and preached how will you not start chanting again in the same bus <laughs> so i'll just plan and i say okay no problem once we get down to the once we come down i will i will stop her by then other passengers have gone but fortunately for me those days once a bus enter, it was cross line bus. Once a line cross enter, it made a back. Almost 30 Balalo will drive straight to the bus. And before, you know, she was in front of me. Immediately, she came down. She just entered bike and the thing zoomed up. I said, Oh, I've missed it. <laughs> but to God be the glory, the day. I met that brother that we were in the same car in the car with, and she now told he told me that she's a member of the church. That settled it. 
So I looked forward, and the day I got her, I gave her my card. She refused to give me her number, but at least I'm already on her case. <laughs> so by the time I met the young man, and he now told me that, ah, that's a mama in the fellowship. I said, I said it. I said, mama. I said, ah, somebody, one of, somebody that was there said, ah, I can't marry that one. That one, ah. It's just church, church, every time, church, church. I said, that's the one I want, Seth. <laughs> you are confirming the thing, Coco Seth. Praise the Lord. So, it depends on how you, uh, as a child of God, you have to pray for you. Pray, pray, you need to pray. But I told you, I had administration, even as she was entering the car. But I still prayed, and I had peace before I continued. So, when you have peace, in anything that you have peace, continue. Pray, and it's good to pray. But if you have peace, fire on. And I did that. The first day, I dropped her. In short, I wanted to propose to her, as in, when I went to drive, before I bought a car. Let me tell you something. I told my mom I want to marry. And she said, my mom said, you not bought a cow. You need to buy a car so that your, your in-laws will value you. And, and the girl too will value you because when I met her, before, I, after the birthday testimony, once I say anything, say, no, 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 we're going. She and her friend. Somebody wants to drop us. I said, okay, bye-bye. There's nothing I can do. Because me, I didn't have a car. I said, oh, this thing my mom said is truly a solution. So I saved and that December she's talking about, I, I bought a very fine padded 190 V boot, that kind I was ready. So when I bought the car, so in January, the first Sunday in January or midweek service, so I went to her, I said, come, come, come. I want to, uh, he said, no, no, we need to rush and enter car. I said, don't worry, I will drop you. <laughs> so she cooled down. And what happened? We went to the car, we entered the car. I don't even know how to drive. It was my driver, one of the drivers in the office that drove me to Abaisha to meet her. That was why I drove straight to, from Abad, straight to Chojo. And luckily for me, I, I located her. And uh, I took her. That was when she now gave me audience. All this while, any small thing she's going, wants to enter bus, wants to enter car. So she gave me audience with a the, the friend. They entered my car. I was in front. They were in the back. I said, ah, what's this? What's this? I said, it's God. No. He said, ah, this is your first wife. I said, yes. He said, very soon you married the second wife. I said, yes. <laughs> but she never knew that she was the one. But to God be the glory. It's good to pray, but you must have peace before you can proceed. Thank you. That um, he proposed to me, and if I'm final year and you're approaching 30, the next milestone is marriage, no be so. So I'm like, okay. And as he entered my life, all the other suitors disappeared. There were two others. They just, as if evaporation, just disappeared. Suddenly, in fact, the day he came to my hostel to speak to me, there was a bra. Sitting there with his Mr. Big's bag, he brought Mr. Big's for me to eat. That brother, till today, is unmarried. And we're 11 years. That brother left my room 
for him to propose to me. And God, he said, once you are sure and you have peace, go on. He proposed to me. I said, okay, let's see. I prayed about it. After a while, I said, I don't like eagles. I don't like bankers. He's too tall. I have all the reasons in the world. So I said, no. And I turned down his proposal, returned his engagement ring. Then I went back to God in prayer. And God said, I told you you were getting married this year. I'm like, so who is the man? God said, you just turned him back. I, I didn't allow God to finish saying what he was saying because his voice is like a tap. The voice of a thousand waters. I just said, okay, Father, I am sorry. I picked my phone and said, honey, God says it's you. But God also says it's this year. Praise the Lord. So I remember as a single girl, I had told God that I want to marry like Rebecca. I want to marry by faith. When Rebecca, is it Rachel? Rebecca, when she left her father's house, she didn't know if Isaac was crippled. She didn't know if he was blind or lunatic, but she just left her father's house by faith. And I said, Father, I want to marry by faith, trusting that you chose for me the best person. Praise the Lord. I'm still learning it every day. Praise the Lord. And of course, God cannot be wrong. So if you have peace of mind as a man and as a woman, if you have heard from God, you need to. He says, my children know my voice and they hear it. You are a child of God, you need to hear from God. Praise the Lord. That is my experience. That is our experience. Praise the Lord. What can you do if the lady you want to marry is from a different cultural background? Incidentally, all of us here have similar cultural backgrounds. Even the couple we're expecting, I think they have virtually about the same cultural background. And your parents are against your will. Should you decline because of your parents' decision? I'm going to go to the oldest parent here. What can you do if the lady you want to marry is from a different cultural background and your parents are against your will? Should you decline because of your parents' decision? Nowadays, people rarely do that. It used to be so in the past. Oh, it's an evil man, you can't, you can't marry. It's an ethnic man, no, 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 you cannot marry. And you know, that, I mean, that diversity, that hatred for one child, it doesn't really occur at our level of education. So nowadays, you see somebody you want to marry, you first of all go and tell your parents. They may try to say that, but you can always forget. Convince them that's not that not, what they're trying to tell in the opposite is not right. Especially like the couple, the couple on the other end, they prayed about whatever they were trying to do. And that what once you pray fervently, it will shut your parents' mouth. They can't do anything about it. So I believe prayer can do wonders in the life. And when if God had chosen a particular person for you, no man can change it. We know this in our religion. No man can, can preach that. So it always comes out well for you. Your parents can only advise you. They cannot stand the ground and say, no, you cannot marry this woman. 
But again, there are some we medical people we know some family background. Oh, there is some madness in that family. Oh, there is single cell things. Oh, there is this and that and that. I think one should be watchful. One should be cautious when you are giving such an advice. You should be cautious. And therefore, you may want to change your mind. So it's not a rigid jacket that you can get into, whereby you can say, somebody can say, no, you must not. Yes, you must. You must take the advice into consideration and pray about it. If that individual is meant for you, whatever the illness there is, yeah, you may be AS, and I hope everyone understands me. Either with the woman is or the man is AS. If God still intends that you get married, I've been prayed about it. Your children may all come out AS or AM at the end of the day. Therefore, you may not have any trouble. So this is the very ways of very ways of looking at this thing, both medically, socially, culturally, and otherwise. But if God says this is the one, nobody can stop. You. That's what they are wishing. Thank you. Please, only in the house, please like it to address this question. Please, how do you manage a situation where your wife or a female is? This engaged a man into marrying her has medically lost the ability to give birth due to some care. Hello, thank you. Please, how do you manage? Where your wife or a female deceitfully engaged a man into marrying her, the said lady has been lost the ability to give birth due to some careless life she lived when she was an unbeliever. How would you? I want you as a couple to speak to this. Thank you. So we will speak as a couple. And we are Christians. We must judge ourselves and our actions by the word of God. And the key, uh, the key fact that must underlie whatsoever decision we take is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. In any marriage, God is a witness. God is the person that holds you all together. So in spite of what your wife now has done, in spite of the fact that you went into the, the marriage without your wife giving you full disclosure. Praise the Lord. Are you all with me? Uh -huh. I'm using a legal term now. Full disclosure. Because you go in there 
you didn't ask, you probably didn't ask, I didn't ask my wife, uh, can you give birth to children? You know. <laughs> so you don't ask that question, but you assume uh, that uh, the, uh, the person you are married to is not a man. Uh, am I communicating as they say? Uh -huh. It's not a man. So you assume. And in that case, you didn't ask for full disclosure. Uh, what's your past medical history and social history and such questions? So if she, for some reason, for fear, she's desperate, she must get married. I'm, I'm already 30, going to 31. And uh, she's been praying for a miracle of some sort and so forth. And then you find out this situation. Uh, my advice is let the Spirit of God, let the, uh, the Word of God guide your decision. Let me. You have no chance whatsoever to pull out. <laughs> you cannot pull out. This is what God has made for you. I, mean, I have seen, uh, being abroad for some years, I've seen a lot of people who have no issue. And they are living very well. They are, they are very happy. Marriage, God said, go uh, into the world and God's life. Marriage is that there are people who are capable of reproducing. But they have, they have decided, husband and wife, not common in our own culture. Husband and wife have decided not to have but to just live their life, enjoy themselves. So you can look at these options in your life. But once God has put together, you cannot, you yourself, you cannot have something. This is what we should know from our religion. Thank you, sir. Um, we're rounding up. There are some other questions that I have looked at, and I find that in the course of this discourse, we have addressed such issues like doctor being married to doctor, choosing what, um, who does what, and all of that. We've had um, people speak to those issues. So please, if I haven't raised your question, if you can just rewind 
you find that your question has been answered before now. Please, I want to do one thing. If there's anyone who has been married here for up to 50 years, could you please signify by a raise of hand? Married up to 50 years? We want to give honor to whom honor is due. Married up to 40 years? <laughs> Thirty-five years, thirty plus. Praise the Lord. 